You have just tuned in to the Cowbell Factors podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Sierra Vaughn, Director of Agency Marketing for Cowbell Cyber, Cyber Insurance Made Easy. Cowbellers, I am so excited about our next guest for this season. It's one of our fellow Cowbellers, Head of Risk Engineering, Manu Singh. Let's give a warm Cowbell welcome to Manu. Welcome, Manu. Uh, thanks, Alexis. I'm really excited to be here and I'm very excited about the podcast. Well, we are so excited to have you here, especially to get a different perspective from the risk engineering side of the Cowbell Cyber product. I know our audience is really, really interested to learn exactly what risk engineering is and how it comes into play when you purchase a Cowbell Cyber product. So let's get into it. So, Manu, I think it would be really great if you could tell our audience a little bit about your background and where you've been in your career. Yeah, absolutely. So to tell you a little bit about my background, I've held various information security roles, both within and outside of the insurance industry. So prior to Cowbell, I've served as a security intelligence manager for a privately owned top five consumer packaged goods corporation within their security center of excellence. I was also previously at a insurtech startup in Silicon Valley, serving within their underwriting department. In addition, I've worked at a London specialty insurance company with their breach response services team, helping clients manage their cybersecurity risk mitigation efforts. By the way of education, I hold a jointly offered executive master's degree from NYU School of Law and NYU Tandon School of Engineering with a focus in cybersecurity risk and strategy. I also hold a bachelor's degree from Temple University, Fox School of Business with a focus on business administration and risk management and insurance. Nice. Manu, you have a great and diverse background as well. So I'm definitely excited to see exactly how you work in your role here at Cowbell Cyber. So with that being said, what exactly do you do in risk engineering? So, yeah, to explain risk engineering, well, first of all, I assist our policyholders through our continuous risk assessment process. So this includes understanding Cowbell's cyber platform, the Cowbell factors, utilizing connectors, understanding the AI and machine learning scans used to develop insights and recommendations for our policyholders, as well as understanding security awareness training and going through the policyholders' cybersecurity posture to identify any security gaps. So my function uh, ultimately focuses on how to reduce the frequency and severity of cybersecurity incidents and breaches for policyholders. It's a client-facing function where we meet with policyholders to help them understand what risks we're noticing on their cybersecurity and IT infrastructure. This is uh, essentially accomplished through our platform, the data aggregation that we're doing on organizations, and what we're noticing from our scans uh, within their environment. From there, we are able to meet with the policyholder over a one-hour risk engineering call to help them identify what are those risks and how they may uh, reduce the frequency of particular cyber threats from occurring. That is some really good stuff. So basically, 
our policyholders don't just get an actual cyber insurance policy to help protect their business. They also get some extra cybersecurity features in there, including being able to have access to the risk engineering team. I think that's really awesome. And it's a great value add to our policy. And I definitely think it makes us stand out in the market. So explain to our audience a little bit about which step of the process would risk engineering come into play? Yeah, absolutely, Alexis. Um, it's certainly, you know, I agree with you. It's a value add for all of our policyholders to be able to um, get onto our platform, understand what those risks may entail, and then reach out to risk engineering to address those risks. So where does risk engineering really get involved within the process? Risk engineering is involved in every step of the way. Okay. This means that underwriting receives a submission and reviews the applicant's security controls. They could reach out to risk engineering to confirm whether those controls are sufficient for our appetite. This may entail meeting with the client during the quoting or pre-bind process to get a clarification on what security controls they have applied, what are some best practices that have they applied, and what the organization is looking to implement going forward. This also helps our team get a clear picture of what they are underwriting, uh, what is the client's security team uh, doing to uh, secure their environment, and how they are able to mature and harden their posture. And then the the next call generally occurs post-bind. So when the policy is effective, we onboard the client by introducing them to the Cabell Cyber Platform. On disengagement, the client learns about the value add that comes with their Cabell Cyber Policy. And then this will cover everything from how to navigate the platform understanding how are we scanning their internet-facing systems, uh, how can Cowbell connectors help gain deeper insight into their cyber environment, and then open up about the client's cybersecurity posture. And then the third call would be after a claim. So if a claim was to occur, if an incident or cyber breach was to occur, after the claim has occurred and we've been notified, we also like to reach out and discuss with the client uh, exactly what occurred and what lessons have they learned and what security controls they could potentially apply going forward to reduce the frequency and severity of that particular event from occurring again. So those are the three tiers that we, we try to meet with policyholders on. Okay. Those are some definitely good points to be meeting with them at, um, especially so you kind of make sure that they're in a good position to get a policy prior to even coming on board. Um, so I think that's definitely unique and a really, really great aspect to be adding to a cyber insurance policy in this marketplace. So I know that you deal a lot with the policyholders and brokers. So what are the most common questions that you receive? Yeah, so every organization is looking to understand if they are doing a good job. And if they've mm-hmm. applied reasonable security measures to help reduce their risk of exposure to a cyber incident. So some of the most common questions we receive from brokers is, have our clients applied enough security controls to be considered for renewal? So what does that entail? That could entail applying uh, security controls that all of the industry is looking for. 
Uh, that includes multi-factor authentication on various tiers. Uh, that includes applying an instant response plan. Uh, that includes security awareness training for employees. So we definitely communicate that to the brokers, um, helping them understand what the client may need to do going forward uh, to be considered for renewal. Uh, clients also ask us, what can they do or what can what else can they apply well, we look into their security posture, identify those security gaps. Um, typical questions that come up uh, include, uh, I don't have a incident response plan in place. Uh, how do I go about starting one? Well, we have a plan that the policyholder can download on our website. Um, it's a, essentially a template and a guide that they can use to addressing uh, incident response planning. So just being proactive is, is is something that we certainly look for in a client um, uh, when, uh, when when they're looking to apply these security controls. Okay, so that's some good. That's a good point that you made there about the incident response plans. Let's dig into that a little deeper. So, what do policyholders need to know to be prepared for cyber incidents? So yeah, just talking about an incident response plan and what do policyholders need to do going forward to be prepared for an incident. Well, the purpose of an incident response plan is really to just be proactive in your approach to addressing an incident and addressing or addressing a breach once it occurs. So uh, the guidelines for a typical incident response plan includes uh, preparation, identification and assessment, uh, containment of the event, and then eradication, and then from their recovery and then lessons learned from the incident. Just talking about the plan a little bit further, you should look to incorporate uh, internal stakeholders within your organization and define roles and responsibilities for those stakeholders. So you should include members of your information security team. So if, if you're looking to include your chief information security officer, your security managers or directors, and then any other team members, you'd want to define what their roles and responsibilities are, as well as document their their contact information on a written plan. So that way you can quickly and effectively uh, loop these stakeholders in, and then everyone understands what is their roles and responsibilities to respond to the plan. Okay. Okay. That's, that's really, really good information for our listeners, I'm sure. So just kind of thinking on that a little bit, as far as the risk engineering portion goes, are you able to work with both small businesses and, and also can larger organizations still find value in what you bring to the table when our policyholders are actually getting a policy with Cowbell Cyber? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're looking to address cyber risk for all policyholders. So that includes the smaller enterprises as well as those medium-sized enterprises as well. And it's also evolving to address risk for larger enterprises. Anyone that has a Cabell Cyber Policy can schedule a risk engineering call to address their risks and ask any questions related to to cyber risk management. Okay, so Imanu, so if I already have a cybersecurity team, would I still um, see the value in also um, having a risk engineering call as well? Yeah, I get that question a lot from our policyholders. 
And the way I see this is, yeah, you certainly have, you know, if you have a, a robust cybersecurity team in-house, you might have a security operations center in-house, or you might have a vendor managing it. And sometimes organizations think that's enough. Uh, the value add here is Cowbell Cyber is an organization from the outside looking in. So we're scanning your internet-facing systems. We're able to connect with you on a deeper level to assess your network. So essentially, organizations should view this as an external risk assessment and vulnerability assessment. If we can scan for something within your environment on your internet-facing systems, guess what? The bad guys can too. The only difference is we're notifying you that this is available and this is something that's that's a vulnerability that's facing the, the internet you should look to address it. Good to know. Good to know. So I know all the time our policyholders are thinking about the namesake of this podcast, the cowbell factors. How do I increase my cowbell factors? Because we all know that it's on a scale from zero to 100 and you're measured against your peers. Um, but how can a policyholder actually improve their cowbell factors? So, yeah, there's uh, certainly a number of ways that uh, an organization can address their cowbell factors and look to improve their cowbell factors. Uh, The number one way is to uh, address those insights that we're able to scan for and identify on our platform. So if a policyholder was to log onto the platform, go under the insights tab and look at all the recommendations and vulnerabilities that we've noticed on your internet facing systems or within your tenant environment, if you're utilizing a connector, look to address those insights. It'll each insight on the platform shows you a description of the particular vulnerability, um, whether it's actionable or not, the severity level being low, medium or high. And it'll also show you what cowbell factor is most impacted. So if you address a particular vulnerability, so let's say there's a patching cadence on one of your web applications and you mm-hmm. update to the most recent version, we'll be able to scan your environment because our scanners are going off daily. Some are going off weekly, others monthly. They'll, our scans will pick up on, um, on that particular vulnerability that you've addressed. Um, and then from there, it'll be able to have a positive impact on your cowbell factor. So that's one way to address insights is, is, is that's one way to improve your cowbell factors. The next way is to utilize a connector. So our connectors are APIs that we've built for certain tenant uh, software environments. So if you utilize a connector, and let's say in this case for Microsoft, the 365 environment, if you were to utilize that connector, if we notice that there's strong security controls applied within that environment, guess Mm -hmm. what? That'll have a boost in your catalog factors. Now, if it's the case where you utilize a connector and you um, notice a lot of insights that are um, a, a lot of insights that are vulnerabilities within the particular environment, then that could have a negative impact on cowbell factors. But if you were to address those insights again, that will boost your cowbell factors for. Interesting. That is some really, really good tips right there that you gave. You know, I know we talked about this on a previous episode last season when we had FBI John. It's everyone's favorite thing to talk about, and that's the dark web. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So what is the purpose of a Cowbell um, dark web data report? So, yeah, one of our goals is uh, to help organizations realize 
what is being posted about them on the dark web forums. So these forums aren't normally indexed on the internet, although sometimes bad actors will make it available publicly as well. But for the most part, they sell this information to other bad actors on the dark web. Typically, this data consists of email addresses, leaked passwords, personally identifiable information, protected health information, payment card information, any uh, company-sensitive mm-hmm. information like intellectual property. So all of that could be published on the dark web. We scrape the dark web and create a report for the organization to help them realize what type of information might be published on the dark web. Oftentimes, policyholders, um, you know, from this report, the organization essentially will be able to determine whether there's real exposure to email accounts and their corporate network. And then we can also recommend um, best practices and mitigation steps based on what information is leaked out there on the dark web. Okay, that's some good stuff. So what are some cybersecurity best practices that businesses should be doing, Manu? So I think the the number one uh, security control that I think I think everyone already knows this at this point because this has been the year of MFA is no matter what size organization you are, you should be looking to apply multi-factor authentication on remote access and VPN on email accounts and on critical applications um, and cloud applications. Uh, if you have MFA within those environments, it really becomes hard for the bad actor uh, to guess that second factor, uh, whether they have your email address and your password credentials, they'll still be required to log in with another factor. And once they see that, definitely most bad guys will give up mm-hmm. uh, on the spot. I think the last year's Verizon data breach report uh, reported as saying uh, there was a 86% reduction in a cybersecurity event from occurring if you were to utilize MFA on these environments. Uh, the next step would be to uh, create an inventory of your digital assets. So become aware of what your software assets include, what do they store and process, which vendor technologies are you utilizing? And then this becomes even more crucial today as we see organizations scrambling to determine what their IT assets are and if they are vulnerable to the most recent Apache Log4j2 vulnerability. So it's a good idea to uh, really create that inventory and understand what are your digital assets within the organization? What vendors are you utilizing? How are we storing and processing our data? If you're able to do that in a a consistent fashion, you'll be able to identify your assets quickly in the event that uh, an incident was to occur. And then the last best practice, I think we covered this, is that incident response plan. Uh, Having an incident response plan really just means that you're creating a cybersecurity culture within the organization. You're aggregating all the stakeholders, both internally and externally within I mean, and externally, uh, to respond to an event. So being, that's really being proactive if you, if you were to have a plan in place. 
as long as organizations are doing those things and they, uh, you know, they're being proactive with their approach. Uh, and that's what we're looking for here at Calwell. This is all really, really good stuff. So I want to make sure that all of our listeners heard exactly what you said. So the top three things, MFA, digital assets, inventory, and incident response plans. And you can definitely find out more information about how to get those things and even some great vendors that might work for your business as well on the cowbellcyber.insure as well. Before we go, I just want to know if there are any final thoughts that you want to leave with our audience today from the risk engineering department. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one thing organizations should consider and understand is uh, cybersecurity, information security uh, is an enterprise-wide issue. It's not an issue that's uh, that should be siloed just off to IT or to a security professional. This becomes an issue for everyone in the organization, and everyone should look to understand what is their role and their relationship with cybersecurity. What is my role with protecting the organization? If uh, I'm an employee in the HR department or in the accounting department, what are the best practices that I need to understand with uh, effectively utilizing a computer, an email address, and applications that I operate in? So this is this is an issue every every employee in the organization should understand, and this is done through security awareness training for employees, and then creating that cybersecurity culture within within the company. The C-suite has their relationship and understanding of cybersecurity. They should look to support management. Management should look to support the IT teams and security folks, and help all employees become aware of what are what are the risks that are out there for the organization, and how can everyone look to reduce the frequency and severity of those events from occurring. That is great stuff. Great stuff. Listen, Manu, it has been such a pleasure having you on today's episode. And it's been really great to have a better understanding of what risk engineering is when it comes to purchasing your policy with Cowbell Cyber. And we just want to thank you again for taking out time out of your busy schedule because we know that you're speaking to every policyholder with Cowbell Cyber. And that's such a huge thing. And we really appreciate you for just taking time out to talk talk with our audience today. So thank you so much, Manu. Yeah, Alexis, it was really fun and and I'm really excited about where this podcast is going. So thank you for having me.